Father, I thank You this morning for Your grace and Your mercy for each one of us, Lord. Lord, as we're longing for that 50 degrees or more right now, God, we desire to see that. Thank You for the sunshine. We, don't, we do thank You for that. But Lord, I also just thank You this morning that You have given us breath. And Lord, that song we sang this morning says, you'll never, you'll never let me down, Lord. Sometimes that is so hard to sing because God, we've had so many disappointments in life and how can we declare something like that statement? But the truth is, Father, when I look back on my situations, when we all look back in our lives, Lord, we see that You have never let us down. It may not have been quite what we thought it would be or could be or even should be. But as Your children, we know that You're faithful. And that we can rely on Your Word. And Your Word says that You will work all things for the good of those who are called according to Your purpose. And Father, we look to You today to help us make sense of life. To help us understand, Lord, that You you have never left us. You will never forsake us. And that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so Jesus, we look to You this morning as the faithful Son over the house. And we trust You to speak to us. So would You give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand this morning. And we look to You. And we trust in You. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning as we get into the um, Scripture of John 12, it's Palm Sunday. And it's quite interesting for me because being from the South, we don't really do these holidays very well. Or these moments in Scripture. Palm Sunday really wasn't something that we did. I mean, you got a palm and you waved it on Sunday, but that's about it. And then you, Easter Sunday was a big deal. You, you, you dressed up, you got your tie and your suit on, and everybody dresses their best, and then Christmas is the same. But for days like today, like Palm Sunday kind of came and went for us. And that's not a bad thing, but it's, it's good to reflect and it's good to know what has happened in the Christian faith and why we call today Palm Sunday and the meaning behind it all. You see, up here there is a tradition where you do Lent, you do Palm Sunday, you do Easter Sunday, you do all these things that lead up to that day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. But I want to bring us to attention this morning of something very marvelous that took place on Palm Sunday. So before we get into reading Scripture, I want to kind of give you the context of what the Scripture is about and what it, it, it kind of forms around. You see, what happened is that there was this dead man named Lazarus that was in the grave And Jesus came along and He raised Lazarus from the dead. And then I would say the freak show begins to happen. A circus. 
So you have this dead man raised from life and you have this Jesus who has the power to heal the sick, to give the blind their sight, to even raise a dead man. And people want to see who this Jesus is, but they also want to see this Lazarus who was raised from the dead. And so at this time of Scripture that we're going to find ourselves at this morning, there was a crowd that gathered around to see Lazarus. And last year I talked about the circus and Jesus was just almost a side note for some. And I would tell you, if a dead man was in our... Well, we, are, we're, we were all dead at once. But if a dead man was to rise from being in the grave, you better bet I want to see him. And so there was a crowd that was around Jesus that was coming to see him and to see Lazarus. And they had a party and this was what was happening. And the chief priests knew The Jews were deserting them because of Lazarus, so they actually wanted to kill Lazarus also. So he was a marked man just for being raised from the dead. And just to let you know that Lazarus is no longer among us, he did die twice, which is interesting. But then there's also another crowd that is going to form. It's the crowd that was going to celebrate the festivals and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And they, so they wanted to see this Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead that they'd heard about. Is He the coming Messiah? Is He the Anointed One? Is He the Christ? And so a huge crowd is gathering together to see this show. And this morning we're going to talk about three points. And the first point is going to be the expected kingdom. The second will be the true kingdom. And the third will be the kingdom reality. So let's read in verse 12 through 19 in John 12. The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, They took the palm branches and went out to meet Him. They kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your King is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about Him, that they had done these things to Him. Meanwhile, the crowd which had been with Him when He called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised Him from the dead continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met Him. Because they heard He had done the sign, then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after Him. So I want to take just a moment to kind of flesh out the Scripture here that we are reading on Palm Sunday. 
There are a couple things that are really remarkable that are going on here. First of all, we see the word Hosanna used here. And the, the Hebrew meaning for this is give salvation now. And it comes from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. But at this moment in history, it was an acclamation or a praise. It had kind of lost its meaning in the shuffle we learn. But it doesn't cheapen the word Hosanna here. You see, oftentimes, and we'll talk about it a few times, is sometimes we don't know our actual words have meaning and they mean something. So when they were crying out, Hosanna, in essence, they were saying, give salvation now. And if you can imagine the scene, we'd already learned a few weeks ago when He fed the 5,000, they wanted to take Jesus and make Him king. And He went away from them because He knew what was in the heart of man. And He said, I am not going to give Myself to these people. They wanted again to take Jesus and make Him king in Zion. If this was the... Messiah, if this was the anointed one, he was getting ready to burst in the scene and establish his kingdom. This was the mindset. It was the expected thing to take place. And I want to encourage us this morning. In verse 16, it goes on to say this, and we'll go back to the donkey. It says, His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things had been written about Him and that they had done these things to Him. And this is where I want to encourage us this morning, is that if God has spoken anything to your heart, and you don't fully understand it is okay. Because there are times in life when you look back on certain situations and you see that God has been there the whole time. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. But sometimes we can't see. And last week I talked about the Holy Spirit coming. And without the Holy Spirit, we actually, we are blind. We can't understand. We don't know what God is speaking. So they're taking the palm branches, which is found in Leviticus 23, verses 40 through 43. This was a celebration of victory when they were delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. And so them laying down the palm branches before Jesus as He was going into Jerusalem was a sign and a celebration that victory was on hand and it was coming. And then we find the donkey which fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah 9, verses 9-10. through Your king will be coming riding on a donkey as it says here in Scripture. And the interesting thing about this donkey is the Romans must have been sitting back and really wondering what this was all about because their conquering kings always came on horses and the one who was leading 
The victor, the commander, he was in front while the army forces were behind him. This is what they did after they had won victory. That you see Jesus coming on a donkey, which shows us his humility. You see, about the time that you put God in a box, he's just going to tear your box apart. About the time we think we understand who this Father is, He just begins to tweak it a little more so that we can't put Him in our nice, pretty little boxes. And then He wows us for a moment. And then if you find yourself in amazement as a child, like I do oftentimes, is I fall more in love with God as He reveals Himself more and more to me. This is the first time, though, that Jesus actually sets Himself up to, to fulfill prophecy. You see, all the other times He didn't do this, it just happened. He was fulfilling it. It didn't just happen. He was always about the Father's will. But this time we see in other Scripture, in other Gospels, that He actually asked for the donkey to be brought to this situation. This is the only public demonstration Jesus allowed during His ministry. And He did it to fulfill Scripture. I find that quite interesting. Jesus knew what was going on. You see, at this time, because they expected the kingdom was going to come on earth and that the end of the age was coming, because that was the Jewish worldview, that when the Messiah, the Anointed One, came, it would be to an end of an age. But I want to introduce a different kingdom to you this morning. And I think it's a kingdom that is quite remarkable and a kingdom that kind of throws us off of our kilter. Even today, when we think about the kingdom of God, it's not like the kingdom we see today. And so let's look at the true kingdom. Jesus came not to change God's mind about humanity. He came to change humanity's mind about God. You see, the Scripture says, and I I can't get over the Scripture, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we all know the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. We all have prayed the prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, but what does it mean? You see, the true kingdom was about to take place. You see, up to this point throughout human history, the kingdom had had little breakthroughs. 
and had broken through where, where man began to realize who Yahweh was, who God was. But this was the time that the Messiah was coming, not like they thought. And he was going to break through and bring the kingdom to us. And we all know when Jesus says, talks about the new wine and the new wineskins and the new patch and the new clothes. Often I've looked at the Scripture plenty of times to see if I can get new meaning out of it. But I can find no meaning. It is what it says. It is. is that if you cannot put old wine into new wineskins, why is that? Because if you put old wine into new wineskins, those new wineskins will not be able to handle it and they will burst. And the same with the uh, unshrunk cloth. If you put it on old cloth, when that unshrunk cloth shrinks, the tear is worse. And you see, Jesus has been preparing the people, but nobody was able to listen what the true kingdom was. And sometimes I wonder if we are not the same way. God is wanting to do something new. And when I say something new, not apart from the Scripture, but we get in this vein and this thinking that we've got it figured out, and then when God shows up, We don't want Him. We actually reject Him. And we say, no way, Jesus. This is the way I'm going. You told me to go this way. God forbid, Jesus, that you lead me another way. And I want you to know that God always has the opportunity to direct a dead man. A live man, maybe not, but a dead man, yes. You see, God was doing something new. If you could go to Luke 17 with me real quick. And I want to talk about the true kingdom. Verses 20 through 25. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. We'll come back to the Scripture. Then he told the disciples, The days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, see there or see here, don't follow or run after them. For as the lightning flashes from the horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in His day. But first it is necessary that He suffer many things and be rejected by this generation." God was laying it out for us. He was making a plane of what the true kingdom is. And so let's look at verse 21, and it says this, For you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. 
And I want you to think about this just for a moment. What does it mean? There's two different train of thoughts here. One is the kingdom of God is within you. And the other is the kingdom of God is among you. And I would like to introduce to you this morning not a new idea, but the same idea. That both can be true. How do I say both can be true? Because the kingdom of God had come among them because Jesus was ushering it in. But then there was something that was coming one day that the kingdom of God would come within us. There's a song that I love that I often, because I've been in a place where it wasn't always free to be a believer in Christ, I would often be listening to one of my favorite guys is David Crowder. It must be the beard. I'm not real for sure in the hat and his country draw. But he talks about this song and he says, all this glory. And he's talking about the glory of God. And then he says, all this glory is in my chest. And when I think about that statement, I think about the kingdom of God is within me so that when you see me, I have this tremendous amount of kingdom working going on within my heart. You see, our citizenship, we should know this by now, is not in America. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And I think sometimes we get this all messed up. I see the Facebook posts. And I see the different things that everybody is hating one another, saying these one statements against one another, and you're just like, can it, this is enough. But it does help me realize that in this life, I will not see the peace outside of Christ Jesus. No matter what the world says, no matter what they say, peace, peace, or look there, or look here, there will be, there will be no peace outside of Jesus Christ. And you guys know as well as I do that there is a spirit, according to Scripture, that is an antichrist spirit. Which, what does that mean? It is a total denial and a push towards the Messiahship of Jesus Christ and the Lordship. And now we're called crazy for listening to the voice of Jesus. But here's what this guy named George Ladd says about the kingdom. The kingdom is a present reality, and yet it is a future blessing. It is an inner spiritual redemptive blessing which can be experienced only by a new birth. And yet it will have to do with the government of the nations of the world. The kingdom is a realm into which men enter now, and yet it is a realm in which they will enter tomorrow. That's a lot to unpack. And because I don't have much time, I won't unpack it. But the reality is is that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are entering a brand new kingdom. 
You are coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of great light. You have transferred allegiance to Jesus Christ. This is the true kingdom. And I was asked by another church leader this week, how do you keep people together? And I don't know where it came from, but I just said, well, if you get a bunch of dead people together, there can be no selfishness involved. And then I went back and wrote on my board, Lord, give me the privilege to, the privilege and honor to die to self. Because that's what the kingdom is all about. It is about dying to self and letting Jesus be the Lord. And so on this day, Palm Sunday, they thought the expectation was the kingdom was going to come, usher in an an end of an age. Yet they got a king that would be crucified. And it always amazes me, the very ones that were singing His praise We're crucifying Him four days later. Maybe not the whole group, but I guarantee there were some amongst them. And I want you to know the Christian's view is the kingdom is now and later. You can enjoy the blessings of the kingdom now, and I certainly, we will certainly enjoy it later. When this is all said and done, it's the true kingdom. So let's look at the third point, the kingdom reality. Romans 14:17 says this, and it goes along with my last sermon. It says, "For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking." but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I would ask us this morning, do you have peace and do you have joy? And what are you giving your life to? Because the world, the peace and the joy that the world gives, it will be here today, gone tomorrow, but the peace that Jesus gives is eternal. And it will never leave you. That's the kingdom. And why can I say I have the kingdom of God inside of this, these bones that continue to help me to walk in joy and peace? It's because God has now given us the Holy Spirit to enjoy the realities of the kingdom. And I want to ask you this question. And I ask myself the same question. Am I walking in the true reality of the kingdom? Am I walking in the true reality of the kingdom? See, it's one thing up here to profess a word to you and to read the Bible to you. It's another thing for me to get down from this area and begin to walk it out. And I wonder, am I walking in the kingdom reality and kingdom authority? Because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me and now I send you, go and make disciples of all nations. 
teaching them what I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I am with you even to the end of this age. What does that authority look like? And I want you to know that that authority is not the establishment of our government. And why do you think Christians are such a threat to any government, even the United States of America? Is because their allegiance is not to a system. It is to a king who died and bled for us and rose again. That is our true allegiance. That is the kingdom. And I'll just say this about that is I pity the fool that makes Trump mad. Okay, I'm going to get it just down from the pulpit for a second. Let me make something clear to you. Pity the church that gives his soul to a government leader. There will be a day that the government system will turn on God's people. I don't know where I can go from there. Could we be seeing something that we don't understand is coming? But here's the deal. The kingdom reality is in here. It's not out there. So when they were saying, Hosanna, God saved, they didn't realize it, but it was happening. Not like they thought, but it was happening. When they laid the palm branches down, it was happening. The God of this world was being defeated in a few short days. And the humble king, God himself, was going to send his only son to die on that cross four days later. Now listen to this, and we'll come to a close. In verses 20 through 26 of John 12. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see him. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You know what Jesus saw and what He knew was coming? That He was going to be for all the nations. And you see, so if you have accepted Christ and His atonement, that He rose from the dead, you are in a big kingdom. And it's not a Western world kingdom. It's not an Eastern world kingdom. It is God's kingdom and is God's way. And Jesus knew that His time had come because the nations were coming to Him. Then did you know, a day later, they don't really know the time, but Jesus had the audacity to go into the temple and flip over the tables. 
And then he said, my father's house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And I was wondering this, to be honest with you, if Jesus was to walk through this service this morning and tip the table over, I would actually probably tell him to get out. You're disrupting us, Lord. I was just being, I'm being honest. Because it would be different. But listen to this. Jesus said this in verse 24 through 26. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. The one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So what is the good news for us this morning? In Jesus, the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is not a realm or a place of geography, but it is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of men and women. So when you think about this, when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, think of this just for a moment is, Lord, let your kingdom rule and reign be in me and on this earth, in the hearts of others. You see, we are here to advance the kingdom. We are not here to be bystanders. You were not created to warm your pew. We keep wood pews just so they're uncomfortable enough to where you got to get up. Joke. Sometimes people think this is a sick way of thinking about life. But as a former missionary, I understand it all too well. Sometimes people have to die in order for the kingdom to advance. Physically or spiritually. Not spiritually, but physically or another worldly. I don't know how else to say it. And so as we were in Turkey, and you, you find out that a brother was murdered, um, a German and two Turks, and you're like, Lord, we don't see any glory in this. This could be us. And then you realize that unless... A wheat falls and dies, then it won't bear fruit, and these lives do not die in vain. So I want to ask us this morning, are you willing to die? Now here's the thing, some of you think I'm going right to a spiritual or a physical sense. That's not where I'm going this morning. Okay? Are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to take yourself off the throne and allowing King Jesus to take that throne? You see, Jesus, and we learn that God is a jealous God, that He competes with no one. 
And so as a challenge to, if you aren't a believer, I would ask you to die to yourself and accept Jesus Christ. But if you are a believer, I want to encourage you to die to self again. That's why Paul says, I die daily. And if we're truthful here this morning, I have to die daily. Because it's all about me. I try to convince my wife and family that. And you. But you guys aren't listening. The point is, is that Jesus has allowed us to come and die and to live into a new kingdom. And that kingdom has authority. That kingdom has power. So this morning as the worship team comes, it's been interesting because the last few weeks, I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? But there's always a call to salvation. And there's always a call to know Jesus. And that's going to be no different this morning. Is that if you don't know Jesus, or you've turned your back on His reality of the kingdom ruling and reigning in your heart, I would invite you to come and to turn and to give your life away. But then I also would like to ask the believer amongst us, are you at the center of your universe? If you are, I want, you to, I want to bid you to come and do what Jesus says and die to self. Because the person who loves this life in this time, in this realm, they're going to lose it. But those who lose their life in this realm, they reap the reward of eternity, life forever. So as we worship together this morning, we have elders up here to pray with you, but if you don't feel comfortable about coming forward, that's okay. We're not going to force you to come forward. But I would like to challenge us that we've gotten away from it a little bit. There is that public declaration of saying, I want to give it all to Jesus and to coming forward and doing that. There's power in that public declaration. It's a mystery, but it's real.